Okay, good evening everyone, it's Dashihan Miller, and we are here with our uh, episode, this week's episode of Whiteboard Wednesday. Not, this is a Whiteboard Wednesday, what the hell is it? It's Kuden, that's what it is, it's Kuden. God, I do way too much of this stuff. Anyway, uh, i got a special guest tonight, uh, we're having a little bit of glitch on that side, so as soon as we can get him to log in, then uh, uh, my friend Will Mayer uh, will be joining us, and um, he and I are going to chat about the good old days, and all kinds of stuff, right? And about uh, what I have, like nine questions and nine uh, kind of topic areas that we're going to go through. So it's going to be a full, full on thing. Uh, we'll take some pauses uh, in between uh, different topics and whatnot so that you guys can ask some questions or uh, comment as long as they're clean and, you know, no dirty jokes and, and that kind of stuff, right? But um, we're going to go ahead and fire it up, get started, and uh, I'll talk to you in just a bit. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, I'm back. I found out that uh, my guest is having some tech issues on that side. No problem. Uh, who's, who knows what we're going to have when uh, we bring things up. This will be the first episode where we have like a split screen thing for those of you on live uh, on uh, on the video side of things. Of course, those of you on the audio side, when it hits the podcast directors and whatnot, um, you won't know the difference. So anyway, um, uh, so let me just send a quick message here because he's having some uh, – some tech issues. Let's see. Du, 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 du. Uh, can join in. Uh, nothing like you guys watching us fix things in real time, right? So anyway, um, all right. Well, let's do this uh, while we're waiting for uh, for Will to uh, resolve whatever needs to be resolved on that end. Um, Let's see. What can we chat about? I, I didn't actually prepare for a uh, for a, uh, a kind of a plan B. Bad ninja. Bad ninja. Anyway, so um, Will and I are going to talk about this stuff anyway, but uh, how about if we just go, kind of go down through the, the topics and whatnot. So uh, uh, Will, I, I met Will a long, long time ago. We're talking like mid-80s at, I think, a Shadows of Ega uh, festival, one of the yearly festivals. And um, and then shortly thereafter, because of things that were going on and he was hosting, he had a really, really big school uh, at that time. And I just had this little training group. But, um, you know, he was uh, he had our teacher or, you know, we were both under Stephen Hayes at that time uh, coming in for a seminar. So I gathered up a group of students and went down and it was the beginning of a, of a, uh, a long, uh, you know, peer relationship, friendship, that kind of thing. So anyway, um so, uh, uh, Will, like all of my, you know, friends and peers and whatnot, has, has his own, uh, martial, uh, history, right? Background, that kind of thing, right? So we are going to open things up to everybody along the way. So if you have any questions, right? Cause we're going to be talking about, um, kind of the way things have changed. We're going to be talking about this idea of modern ninjutsu, uh, and we'll both be sharing, you know, some, some different viewpoints. Um, in a lot of ways, we see things pretty much the same way, right? 
but backgrounds are different and um and we'll just go oh looks like he maybe maybe uh james can you hit that james is in the background running tech so um uh i think he just just turned it on there so we'll see what happens here right and uh let's see all right maybe will can you hear me Let's see. Anyway, so uh, here's here's your chance, right? So if you have any questions, on you know some of you guys may uh, you may know me, <laughs> you may know Will, uh, whatever, right? But if um, if you have any questions uh, or comments along these lines, or just about anything trading trading related, you can toss it in there, and then what we'll do uh, as he and I are chatting, uh, we'll take these little Q and A breaks. Uh, just to see what, what's, what's in and those things that fit the topic that we were talking about or just talking about, uh, the most recent, because we want to keep the, we keep the recording and we, we want to keep the, the flow of things as consistent as possible, right? So, uh, those things, uh, are going on. Let's see. Will says he can hear me, but we can't hear you. So, uh, can you check your, uh, your settings? There's a little gear there on the right-hand side under the screen. Um, make sure that your mic is on. Um, nothing is muted on our side. So uh, let's see. So anyway, uh, you guys can jot these things in. The, the questions or comments that match what we're discussing in real time, uh, we'll take those first just so that everything kind of stays uh, fairly consistent, congruent, that kind of thing. And then um, – We'll any, anything that doesn't match up, we'll save to the end. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible. Uh, will and I are both chatters, so um, we'll try to keep things uh, to our normal uh, time. Anyway, so we're having some we're having some audio things on his side. James, can you see um, anything where um, where we can fix it on on our end here? I'm going to go ahead and throw things back into a single screen for the live guys, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Let's see. All right. Uh, let's see. So Will's on. Uh, 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 uh. All right. Sorry for the tech issues for those of you guys that are on. Uh, again, we see numbers pop in, go up, go down, and all that. Uh, again, I think a lot of folks uh, they don't get the idea that this is a – uh, this is Kuden, right? It's it's this back and forth teacher uh, kind of thing. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna type this thing in here. All right, pop a little private chat thing in there. James, can you see the private chats when they pop up? Okay, can you uh, can you uh, kind of intercede and, and uh, see if you can help him out? All right, sorry about this, guys. Anyway, um, but Kuden, right? Uh, for those of you uh, who haven't seen it yet, uh, I have a video over on YouTube that goes through the difference between um, Kaiden, Kuden, right? And what was the other one that I did? Um, anyway, there's three of these things, right? And um, Shinden, Shinden, right? So these three areas of training, remember, this needed to, right? So things tend to get broken into um, into threes, right? Uh, and then you can focus on um, you can focus on a given area, right? So Taiden is obviously everything that we do with our body, 
right? So there's this body transmission kind of thing, right? So um, what you end up uh, focusing on is obviously physical techniques, skills, those kind of things, right? Health issues, those kind of things, right? Kuden void transmission is this idea of uh, the teacher passing things on, um, you could say spiritually or whatever, but uh, it's a mental, spiritual kind of thing, right? Um, you're discussing uh, knowledge topics and, and things like that, right? So you can understand strategy, you can understand tactics, you can understand um, just more about maybe the way the teacher thinks about things or, uh-oh, I hear sound. Hey. Hey, there it is. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're missing your video, though. Yes, uh, we're going to have to do this without video today. I've got a no issue with that. No worries. Okay, so. Besides, we can see your smiling face. They don't need to see mine right now. Wow. I'm going to be the mystery ninja. Wow. All right. So, anyway, Will Mayer. All right, Hello. So <laughs> let me shift over here to my notes so that uh, I have that. And, all right, so, um, all right, so I, I did a little bit of admin cleanup and all that. Uh, so again, you guys can post in some questions, comments as we're as we're moving along. And like I said, priority will go to questions or comments that are related to what we're talking about when we take the little break, just for continuity, make it easier uh, for the folks that when this stuff hits the podcast uh, directories, uh, it's it's not mentally like jumping around and, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, that that video that I was talking about, three areas of training, you can find it on YouTube. Go to the go to the um, uh, the channel there, and, and you can check that out. Anyway, right, so I was just talking about how the numbers go up and down, and I think people often sign into these things thinking they're going to watch some trained monkey um, demonstrate even more techniques. I've um, been called worse. <laughs> me too. Anyway, <laughs> so, so anyway, um, I kind of alluded to uh, how we met and all that, but I want to back up even before that. So uh, for those of you who do not know Will, right, well, Will's in the um, – modern ninjutsu uh, kind of uh, area, right? I mean, I do as well, but I kind of mix it up so that whoever's coming in from whatever perspective gets it. But both of us have this this same focus of how do we take these ancient lessons, right? These time-tested and proven lessons and help people make them applicable in today's world rather than playing Ninja Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. I, I don't know a nicer way to say that, but there's a lot of people out there playing fantasy stuff. So anyway, um, I'm not sure if there's a way to remove the little window in the window thing down there so we can still, but we can still have audio. Oh, look at James is just yeah, like, it's done. my magician in the background. All right, cool. All right. So, uh, well, what I thought we'd do is just kind of give you a, a couple of minutes here to just, uh, you know, talk about yourself. Um, uh, like, you know, former occupations. I know that you were a, a teacher and a headmaster at a private school and stuff like that, but just kind of share a little bit about yourself um, so that everybody gets the idea, and then we'll just kind of progress from there. Well, uh, first of all, uh, th uh, Jeff, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I've listened a number of times and found them very informative and have, uh, you know, contributed a few uh, emails to you, et cetera. Sure, so sure, I'm really sure. happy to be on here today. Uh, I've known Jeff. Uh, I was thinking we've probably known each other at least uh, 45, 45 years. Sounds you know that right. makes us old, right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. About right. yeah. So, Holy yeah, we met, we met in the 80s, 
And uh, this is now uh, 2023 coming up, so it's been a while. I want to ask people, where were you in the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, st- we started together. Uh, we, we've done a bunch of, um, uh, you know, martial arts. We had fun doing ninjutsu together. I started off in martial arts back in the early 70s, I, like most people. Uh, I'm reading a note from James here. Getting a no? A note from James. Oh, a note from James. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, he wants me to so, hold on. So let me do something here. This is a first for us. So um, you're helping us iron out some glitches too. <laughs> okay. He wants me to do something here. Uh, my phone's really Okay. I think we got it. All right. Um, so, again, trying to be not distracted from the technical issues we're having. I started martial arts a long time ago. And like many people, I, I started off in Taekwondo. A lot of people back then were doing either Taekwondo, uh, some Judo, and, of course, Karate. And um, that was pretty much what was going on back in the 60s and 70s, early 70s for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, like you and a lot of other people on the planet, I uh, saw a – an advertisement, a, a demonstration, actually a seminar that Stephen Hay was going to do in Baltimore. In fact, a few of my black belts at the time in Taekwondo told me about it. So I said, yeah, I, I read some stuff about him in the magazines, and um, let's check it out. So we went there for the weekend in Baltimore, and it was great because uh, I really enjoyed it. The thing I liked that hit me right away, no pun intended, was the <laughs> fact that uh, ninjutsu – Basically, uh, it was an all-encompassing martial art. It wasn't a partial art. Okay, It had grappling, it had striking, it had weapons, it had all this kind of stuff. So instead of having to you know, learn separate arts, um, grappling art, a striking art, weapons art, and try to mishmash them together in a, in a cohesive system, um, ninjutsu had that already. And the thing that I think really uh, was important for me was that it all had a unifying body movement footwork system. So you didn't have to learn different footwork or different movements if you did um, hanbo as opposed to empty hand. It was all the same. So, for example, if some people try to do a complete martial art, we'll call it, and they took a little bit of a, a karate system, which had certain, you know, kind of rigid movements maybe. They tried to do a, a weapon system like a, a fluid Filipino style. They tried to do a grappling system with judo or something. And, yeah, they sort of had it, but it was not matched. Uh, the al- analogy would be like having a suit, a three-piece suit, and you've got a checkered uh, you know, uh, <laughs> coat, and you've got striped pants and a polka dot shirt. Technically, it's a suit, but it doesn't really match. So that's, I think. Some guys are okay with that, though. Some people are. But I think ninjutsu, again, the the weapons, the striking, the grappling, the joint locks, all of it was connected through this Tai Sabaki and the footwork and uh, body movement. And that made it, um, I believe it made it, uh, to my opinion, um, viable and uh, um, easier to learn all these different components. You didn't have to learn different footwork and different body movements studying I think yeah, that would probably make sense. Yeah. Did you yeah, find I, that too? Um, I did. Um, I actually came, um, I don't know if you know my background or whatever, but I came from a very violent um, home life and 
uh, of course, got into law enforcement and all that. So yeah, um, uh, we've I, talked about that. Yes. Yeah. I've had to worry about, you know, liability issues because I'm right. a cop. I had to worry about, um, I mean, I, I was just very, very intimately familiar with violence. And while other arts kind of serve their purposes and whatnot, again, I had to worry about liability. I had to worry about, you know, whatever. And my experience was very much like yours, where here's this base system, but then, you know, at some point they added in weapons. But now the weapon had its own yes. unique way of moving and yeah. whatever. And then, you know, um, it almost seemed like the personal development stuff or the or the meditation or whatever was tacked on as opposed to, you know, it all being cohesive. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, when I found this stuff, um, I was already I was already a military policeman. So right. um, I was really looking and I was actually coincidentally stationed in Korea. So I jumped on the Taekwondo bandwagon because sure. that was what they were doing. Right. Well, that that was already problematic. And then there was uh, Kung Fu being taught on the, sure. on the information. Right. Um, none of these things really matched up. So uh, my first experience, like the ver- very first seminar I went to, was like this huge eye-opening. Yeah, exactly. Thing. You know, like I-, I would ask all these questions, like, what if I do this jump kick and a guy gets out of the way and punches me in the groin? I used to, I, I always get these que- or these answers from teachers, like, well, you got to be fast enough that that doesn't happen, or you right. got to be tricky enough, or whatever. And my first experience, those questions were being answered, like. We don't want to do this because if he gets out of the way and punches right. you, you're, you're full. Well, holy crap, this is, you know. Well, uh, even if you look thing, at. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. Well, what I was going to say was, in, and, and this is not knocking anybody in today's world. We were kind of on the pioneering edge of this stuff because I, I don't know about you, but I was looking for something because of my history. Right. Yes. Had no idea what it was called. And I kept running into these different martial arts. And so I just knew whether that was it or it was partially it or yep. whatever, right? Sure. So when I found this stuff, it, I didn't have a name. I wasn't looking for something spe- specific. Like in today's world, Nijitsu is like this cool name, these things that people go looking for. But I don't know that they have a litmus test other than ninja are cool and ninja are powerful and ninja, 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 right? I had no idea. As a matter of fact, um, when I, before I reached out to Stephen Hayes, and, you know, that was back in the day where we actually wrote letters and put a stamp mm-hmm. on an envelope and mailed them, right? Um, I saw an advertisement in Black Belt Magazine over and over again, well, other martial arts magazines, but it was the very first iteration of Volume 1 of that Ninja series, right? And it was just this blank cover with this hooded guy. And I remember thinking, man, people will freaking sell and buy anything. Right. And right. it wasn't until I found an excerpt from that uh, from that book as an article in one of those martial arts magazines. And by like the second or third paragraph, I was like, holy shit, I got to learn more about this stuff because this is this is what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah, so I hear you. Very, very different. Right. Well, and I'm similar to you um, in the fact that I had a reason for for you know doing it. And I wanted to always learn self-defense. I was never really um, interested in sport martial arts. I did some tournament stuff when I was doing Taekwondo. But, and, and as you probably know, Taekwondo has changed dramatically in the last 40 years. Yeah. And when I, when I started, started doing my, my instructor was an ex-Korean you know, Korean Marine, one of those rocks, Republic yeah. Korean Marines. Thank you, guys. Yeah, he had fought in the Korean War, and it was we did a lot of uh, 
you know, street stuff. And, and we mm-hmm. did uh, Hapkido uh, also. Mm-hmm. We combined with the street Taekwondo. And then it got changed to a sport in the 80s because they wanted to compete with judo and karate in the Olympics. And that's when right. it really right. got sort of changed. And I, I was really into self-defense. So, obviously, I started learning stuff. I went did some jujitsu. I, I uh, did some uh, Filipino things. And I sort of liked it. it was, they were practical and uh, more self-defense right than the taekwondo was becoming and then when i met hayes i go oh hey this is really really pretty cool because it's got everything in there like we yeah. talked about a minute ago yeah. so i i started as uh all over as a beginner i had you know black belts and several different martial arts but i wanted to you know do this i told my taekwondo students and they were also doing have keto with me and a little bit of judo and jiu-jitsu say hey, we're going to do ninjutsu stuff and uh some of the stuff was a little summary because we had done the, some of the joint lockings of the other arts, but it was also new. And it was funny. Some of the black belts had the Taekwondo. They said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to switch. I, I've got a black belt. I want to, you know, you have my black belt and get another degree. And they didn't get it that I was moving on. Right. To, sure. I was willing to start over as a beginner and just learn this new art because I felt it was viable. And it was so important. I was, you know, ready to lose five or six of my black belts. Sure. And uh, but it was a smart move because down the road uh, I started. Um, I went with Hayes. Um, first trip to Japan was '87, and um, as I, I met him, yeah, yeah, I had, more, I had that, military duty, and I, that oh. <laughs> yeah, so I first met him, and I think it was like '84, '83 to '4, and then um, when I started doing this full time, it started taking off, and. Gosh, you know, with some good marketing, I learned from professional group how to market the business and and do it in in, in a logical way, but also do it in a way that the students were still getting good attention. And mm-hmm. I, I grew the school, became a very large uh, dojo. We had about 800 students at our peak, uh, but I had like I had five or six full time instructors uh, that were getting paid good wages to teach, and I was teaching. Very fortunately, I had. Uh, advanced students and down the road by the early 90s i was just teaching third degrees and up and um you know my second third fourth degrees were teaching the first first degrees stuff so that's okay. how it evolved in a nutshell and i really want to give stephen hayes credit for um <clears throat> bringing the art uh to the u.s uh from from japan and uh he gets a lot of bad uh stuff sometimes from people uh sure. And I think some of that's jealousy, but he, he did a real service to us of bringing it. And, uh, you know, he's still active with it. Uh, I haven't seen him in a number of years, but I still have respect for him. Certainly. Well, had he not done, done that, people would still be doing Taekwondo and whatever. So Right, right. You know, because, but, uh, you know, again, you mentioned the business side. Had he not written books or magazine articles and all that, you know, it's, it's marketing is marketing, right? And right. put that stuff out there. Mm-hmm. If he would have done things the way most people run their training groups, man, we wouldn't – come on. This wouldn't have grown to nearly the, the way That's it did. That's true. You and know, that's also – I was I was, uh, and, you know. I was fortunate to later on help Stephen get more – more uh, uh, get himself out there to the public when I was right. on the board of directors of uh, uh, EFC, Educational Funding Company, slash U.S. Martial Arts. I had him, Stephen in as a guest speaker to a big convention we had maybe three, 400 school owners there. So he, mm-hmm. he was able to, you know, speak to these people, talk about ninjutsu, and uh, he obviously got other people interested in it and had uh, – they got him to speak at their schools, et cetera, and do some other business. So 
that was helpful. And also showing him how to run his, because Stephen was a great instructor and did great uh, seminars and, and the, um, the camps he did, Shadows of Ega. But at that time, again, this is the late days, he really didn't have any experience in running a full-time school. So I was right. able to show him and help him with that a little bit. And he's doing well. He's, he's got his own uh, programs now. And um, I sort of want to do my own thing. Uh, I personally, I don't uh, emphasize uh, uh, bow techniques or sword because uh, classes are such a finite time. you got an hour, hour. When we started martial arts, most classes were two hours long back in the yeah. day. Okay, If not most, longer. Yeah. If not longer. It, today, yeah. you're, you're pressed to find a, a school that, that has a class longer than an hour or 50 minutes for some of them. So right. if you get students to come two or three times a week, which is sometimes tough to do, and you only got an hour, an hour and a half, you got to focus on stuff that's important. So in my yeah. opinion, I'll, I'll preface that statement, in my opinion, I didn't want to spend time thinking to do with a six-foot shaku bow or the sword. I really focused on folding knife, short stick. I even, even used a shorter stick than a hanbo because you're not going right. to carry a three-foot stick on the street. Right. People say, oh, right. yeah, somebody attacked you. You can find a stick on the ground somewhere. Yeah, try to find a stick on the ground, the concrete in downtown Phoenix. Yeah. But you, yeah. you, somebody might have a short baton. They swing at you. You disarm them. Now use the, the short stick against the second attacker, etc. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Speaking, I'm, I'm going to roll back here just, just a sure. minute because we were talking about uh, like losing black belts and people yeah. getting all focused on those things. Do you remember, and, and this actually made its way into movies, do you remember way back in the early days, because I, I remember getting phone calls and, and uh, people that really wanted to train, right. but uh, there, was this, there was this myth, right, that you had to be a black belt in at least one other martial art before you could train in ninjutsu, right? Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that off the top of my head. Oh, because I, I know... I know it, it, the ninja boom. All kinds of crap, you know. Yeah, the, the ninja, ninja boom. boom. Well, you probably, this is sort of ties into what you're saying. But I remember lots of guys in other other styles. They they flocked to ninjas to do all this the weird stuff that they you know they wanted to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And some yeah. of them ended up eventually. Um, getting a godon, which was the big thing to get back then. Remember that everybody wanted to get I the do. godon was the coveted yeah. rank. But <laughs> now we also called it the those of us in the inner circle also called it the go-down test because as soon as people got it, they stopped training seriously. Exactly. Right. I, I, I can't tell you how many people I know um, that I ran into or knew over the years that all they wanted was to get that go-down. They were done. It's off to the next yep. martial art. So yep. I think Sensei, uh, Tsumi Sensei was using that as a way to, to sort of uh, romance people out the door uh, at the ones that didn't want to stay, you know. Uh, yeah. They left. Well, he's done that. He's done that through all the years. I mean, even uh -huh. remember when, during uh, Taikai, um, he stopped doing that at a certain point. But during Taikai, like the, the there would be this godon test on right. like Saturday night or something like that, right? right? Yep. And then first thing Sunday morning, he would call all the no, new godon up. And I think yep. I was one of the last ones in that kind of mix because I held my godon off until um, Bud Malmstrom because um, I went to a Taikai that he had hosted. And uh -huh. we were supposed to bring paperwork and all that. And again, I conveniently forgot mine. And yeah. he said, tough shit, I'm your paperwork, you're taking your test. But anyway, the next morning, all these people were ushered up on stage and they all had to demonstrate. Right. And at the end of the demonstration, Hatsumi Sensei would always say something. One sticks in my head because he made reference to stars, but he would make reference to like, 
here's all your examples, right? And in one in one case, he said, um, here are all the, the uh, here are all the stars like stars in the sky. Some are bright, some are dim. Who are you going to attach yourself to, or who you're going, who are you going to use to navigate your path by, or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, people. People always, they got up there and they thought it was this great honor because they were demonstrating, but he was showing off. He was, he was putting people on display and then students, you know, needed to, you know, develop that faculty and decide who was, um, you know, who was worthy of following or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, he, he did that a lot. He did. He did. And I think, you know, I was at the Bujicon a long time. I, um, how, the Bujikan changed over the years, um, oh, as you, many as you times. know, many times. Many times. Um, yeah. It became – I was interested more modern-day stuff. And going back to what you talked to as a cop, um, my situation – I grew – I was bullied a lot as a kid, which is very common yeah. then, 40, 50 years ago, and and today. Um, so that's one of the reasons I decided I wanted to – I had an opportunity to um, start martial arts in my early 20s. And I took advantage of it and, I, again, eventually segued over to doing um, ninjutsu. But right. um, I, I stuck with it for a long time, and I really enjoyed the teachers. I mean, there were some really great teachers, not, not only Hayes uh, Sensei, but, you know, the Japanese Shihan. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed the training, but I got to the point where um, I just felt it wasn't for me anymore. So I, I left the – formerly left the Bujikan in 2001. Um, I had – just before that, I had published four training manuals in my modern ninjutsu program. Mm-hmm. I did that in 2000, and Hatsumi Sensei wrote me a really nice letter congratulating me on publishing the four training books. Mm-hmm. Um, that year, it's also the last time I trained in Japan, which is in 2000. So, and if my memory serves me correctly, about a year later, I received, uh, to my surprise, embarrassingly, an embarrassingly high uh, Dai Shihan promotion. So if, a certificate uh, in the mail. So Atsumi sent me this certificate, um, and I go, considering the fact that, you know, previously I hadn't trained with him in a year, and um, he had established these, you know, sort of unheard of ranks of limited to 15th degree black belts. Right. And I had really no established curriculum, um, and it's becoming pretty prevalent seeing all these people going up these different levels. You know, I just felt that since I hadn't really trained a year, I just – why did I get this thing in the mail, you know, a year later? And I just, right. you know, I really don't need that. Uh, I, I think that was a, an issue with the Bujinkan, still is today, because a lot of the other martial arts stylists, they look at this, they say, well, what's this deal about 15 degrees of black belt? And these people, you know, on their business cards and they're listing their Don grade um, right. and all this stuff. And I just, so that was it. And I really wanted to focus more on making this a modern art. So my tagline is, uh, 900-year-old legacy, 21st-century reality, and that's what my modern jitsu program is about. So that's, that's what cool. I focus on. Um, Sorry, my dog is down here and uh, is starting to make some noise. I apologize. No, no problem. So basically, um, that was the, the reason I wanted to modernize it. I wasn't uh, happy with the, this advanced uh, grading thing that was confusing to people, um, not only myself, my students, but people coming into the schools trying to figure out, What's this whole thing about, you know, different Don? Well, you know, when you and I first got involved, I think the highest rank that was promotable to, right, was the Godon test. Or was the Godon. Right. 
And at that point, you became a Shidoshi. Right. And you were supposed to start your own network, right? You were supposed to start your own, basically, an organization or whatever, um, and help, well, one, help the Bujinkan grow. But that was, that was kind of like the pinnacle, right? And then right. there were, pardon my language, there was a shit ton of Shidoshi running around. So five more ranks were added, right? But there was never any standardized curriculum, right? And actually, I have, in, in somewhere in my notes, I have the curriculum from White Belt to, to Shodan out of the Japanese system, right? Yeah, I have it too. People, I have yeah, the same so thing. People used to, to ask, you know, why, why does the, the Kasumian, which is the program you and I went through, right? Yeah. Why does that have so much stuff in it? But out of Japan, right, this was the official one. Oh, well, yeah. Stephen Hayes' short answer was when all the other Shidoshi got together to decide this stuff, um, I wasn't there. So, you know, but if, if you compare them, right, at that point, way back in the day, right, I would have put any of my fifth Q against anybody that had a showdown. And we're talking in the, in the mid to late 80s, right? right? Because the amount of stuff that our guys had compared to because they only had to know Sanshin, oh, right, the, right. the the Kyonopo, yep. and a couple of strikes and whatnot. Right. And that's be it. consistently training for like six months and you had a showdown. Right? So and of course that caused people to flock to, you know, to the place where rank is easiest. Right? So you know, I, I agree with you totally because um, a very a skeletal curriculum for Bujikan would be an understatement uh, written one. And again, I come from an education background, being a teacher, sure. um, you know, and so I taught high school um, about six years or so. So I, I, it's important to have something in writing. People know where they're going. You just can't fly by the seat of your pants, which I think they do. But uh, but the same token, you can't have too much. So it's that right. fine line, like Goldilocks, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so if it's too much, it becomes overwhelming. So what I found myself, to, and then you got these guys in the last 15, 20 years are kata collectors. You know, oh, we're yeah. talking, talking that started about. like in the mid '80s as soon right. as they realized right. that. Yeah. They, everything yeah. before that, my notes all said like Ichimonji versus right. Or there was whatever. no. We, did, we didn't have kata. We didn't study kata. Because Hayes was they steered around that. Hatsumi yeah. Sensei, Stephen Hayes, they all steered around it because they were trying to distinguish this from the right. conventional way of doing things. But and as then, soon as then it happened. found it, holy oh, yeah. crap. The, flood, the floodgates opened. Oh, and the internet was in its infancy, so some of the earliest stuff were these kata lists being thrown around. Right. Um, you know, and then people could download them and then run around and, hey, do you, do you, it was like stamp collecting. Right? Yeah. Do you have this one? Do you know that? Can you show me this one? Um, uh, I, I remember. remember I remember Hayes saying his famous quote was uh, Stephen say would say, uh, "Collect them all and press your friends." That's right. <laughs> the yeah. One of the oh, one of the seminars that Manakashihan had come back. Um, it, it was one of the years that that Stephen Hayes had him for a festival, uh-huh. and the kata collectors were like on fire. I don't know how the notebook reappeared or the rest of the story. I just know that there was a statement made the day after this happened. Somebody had found their way into Manaka Sensei's class and into his uh, oh. hotel room. And oh, no. Stole his notebook. Oh. oh, God. I never heard that one. That's a special kind of stupid. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, the reason so, I brought that up is that I think at this point, 
mean, I've been doing martial about 50, is that right. I want to, I don't, I don't want to too much. So it, it, from having too little with an initial with you know, the uh, Bujikan and having way too much, uh, even Stevens cut back, I think I've cut back my curriculum. Yeah. I cut years. mine back. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do a lot of things in specialty workshops or seminars yeah. and allow pe- people to add it on if they, if they want to right. do that. Right. Like I said, I, 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 one of the first things I did was I just said, hey, I don't have time to teach longbow or sword. And I know it's sure. not classical, but I just don't – I'd rather spend more time on, you know, grappling stuff, counters to things. I do a lot of stuff with countering somebody who's a, maybe a jiu-jitsu guy or an Aikido guy, so that kind of stuff. Um, that's basically, you know, um, with modern jiu-jitsu, I, I try to focus on a couple of things. And I think I've – come to the conclusion that, uh, number one, it's really important to have realistic attacks with street oh, setups, yeah. Yeah, meaning you, you have to have the attacker uh, practice body language and verbiage that attackers can use on the street. They can't yeah. stand there with their hands up like a boxer and start every to get from that position because street guys don't do that. They don't put their hands up. They put their hand down. They look away. They have all these tells. They may walk. There's a whole bunch of tells that people yeah. do before they attack you. They might move towards one side, loop a punch over your shoulder. They might distract yeah. you. Uh, there's all kinds of things. You've got to learn these tells. So I yeah. think that's really important. Yeah, we'll, we'll have people start farther away yes. and then walk toward each other, like kind of a, a mall scenario is what I sure. call it, where, you know, you, you realize that you're walking towards somebody and then you kind of sidestep and they sidestep and then you go in the, you know, and you kind of do this little dance, right? And then you smile right. at each other as you walk by. But at a certain point, you realize, no, he's blocking my way on purpose, right? right. And then it starts to come together and then you have to manage that space. And exactly. start to bring your hands up as he brings his those kind of things. So um, my intermediate advanced guys have to work on that stuff because that's a crucial because absolutely. you have you've got to learn to recognize the attacker's tells. If you yeah. have, you have the best techniques on the planet, but if you get engaged by somebody, they they uh, you know make you look away, they distract you, and boom, they sucker punch. It doesn't matter. You weren't aware of the first attack was when he was in range and he started talking to you is trying to distract you. Right, that's right. part of the scenario, the setup, yeah. I call it. Yeah. So that's really important to work on. And I, there, to me, there's two um, basic um, types of attacks, two groups. Uh, first one I call an escalated attack. This is something you might call it a bully facing you. Or somebody comes up to you, they give you some stuff. They give you some crap. They're trying to tell you this, tell you that, and they're trying to be aggressive. You tell them, hey, look. I, they're, trying to get, they're trying to get your brain somewhere else. Right, other, right. and you do all the right things. You get your, your hands up, and you say, look, I don't want a problem, da 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 And they're still not being dissuaded, so they're escalating it. They're trying to get you. So that's one kind of attack. They might you know, come straight up to you and, and do that. But the, the second type of attack, which I think is actually more important to practice against, is what I call a premeditated attack. Premeditated. So an escalate is like a bully attack, but a premeditated where it's like a mugger, and he's going to attack you maybe from the flanks or from the rear, uh, un- unannounced. He's going to yep. sneak up on you. Okay, and you've got to plan for that. So I'd like doing striking techniques where you're being punched from behind or punched from the side, sort of like what the sock, the saki test supposed to be about. Right. Absolutely. Intention. That intuitive sense is huge. Right. Especially on the street. Yeah, so you've got to train for that, not just to pass the Godon test with the Shinai coming down at you and Seiza, which right. I, I don't do because I do 
my go-down test where you got to deal with a punch coming at you from behind your head. When you're standing, standing up, you know, not laying down, and your eyes are open. Yeah. yeah. Okay? So make it a little more realistic, um, yeah. in my opinion, um, yeah. to do it that I actually, way. I created, a, uh, well, I created a whole bunch of drills, but I was just talking to my students about one that we're going to be working on here um, again soon that where it's an either-or kind of scenario. And so uh, we play kind of a friend or foe kind of thing, right? So um, uh, whoever the the defender is supposed to be, we have them leave the room. And then the other two partners decide who's friend and who's sure. foe, right? right? And then they decide who's going to do the 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 the, te- the attack that we're doing, right? right? So people often get confused because, well, why would a friend attack me? And I'm like, okay, you got to back up here a little bit, all right? So here's what's going to happen. It doesn't matter if it's friend or foe. Whoever is actually putting their hands on you, here's what they're going to do. They're going to grab you by your jacket, right, or your shirt or whatever, and they're going to yank you sideways. And then if it's friend, they're going to bring their hand up and pat you on the shoulder like they just yank you out of the way of a car. Okay. Like, yeah. okay, you're, you're good, right? Okay. That's creative. Good, right? Yeah. And then if it's the attacker, obviously, he's going to do the same thing, hands on, right. yank you to the side, and then haul off the punch you. Right? That's great. So yeah. the whole idea here is if you resist right away, or like a lot of guys, they'll learn techniques, and then they jump right to technique. Well, right. if you drop your friend, and he was trying to pull you out of the way of a car, you both get run over. That's and good. Good point. If you spend too much time trying to sort things out, just using your eyes or whatever, and you're not using that intuitive sense, you're going to get slammed by the other guy, right? So it's that way of, you know, you're in the thick of it. You're right. disoriented. You don't know why you're being grabbed or yanked. So you've got to work through the cloud to get to, you know, what happens. Any kind of process. Of that, that's great. On top of that, most people have, most people are so afraid of getting hit. I've been hit more often than I can tell you. And sometimes I'm lucky that it was forward of the pivot point. But, you know, how many times do MMA guys get punched in the head or the face or whatever, right? I think that's an over – it's an over uh, overestimated target. Yeah. Right? Well, I agree with you. You're, you're doing the right stuff there, and I, I support that. Um, I think it's crucial that one thing we have to do is make the attacks – more realistic to what 21st century tax look like. Absolutely. Uh, for example, against a knife, nobody's going to stick their knife, their arm out and lock that elbow and hold the knife out there for five seconds while you do 16 things to them. Right. That's not realistic. Right. The knife attacks today are the short shiv thrust, sewing machine thrust. Uh, they come up and grab you. I, I read some statistics about um, I think 71% of the time in a fight with a knife, you're never going to see it, number one. Um, that's that's hard to do. And if the guy grabs you and shoves you backwards while he does a sewing machine stab, and most people who aren't trained, they fall over backwards. And that's when they right. go on the ground, then they're dead. So you got to train against that kind of – you have to look at statistics. What type of attacks are people dealing with on the street today and, and skew your self-defense, whether whatever martial art you're doing. If you're doing self-defense martial art, if you're doing, you know, sport, taekwondo, that's a different story. Okay. But don't yeah. tell people you're going to teach them self-defense if you're teaching sport taekwondo or sport something else. That's a right. bait and switch. But dealing with a realistic attack like just a type of a knife attack you see today, and especially dealing with somebody punching you from behind or from the side, 
Um, and then dealing with that, that's, that's, I think, is extremely realistic. And that's what we have to do if yeah, you're going to make I, this viable for the 21st century. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think that there's still an air of, I don't know, mystical thinking when it comes to dealing with a sensei or, you know, a teacher or whatever. So a lot of people just expect that we've done all the work. And so we're going to share that with them. Not that we haven't and not that we don't. Right. But in a way that can be lazy. Right. Because it is, it is, you've you know, got to I train. Came, I came from a violent background and I came from law enforcement. So anytime a teacher taught anything, if they mentioned that, well, you know, guys on the street do that, I'm going to look that up and see how often that happens. Right. right? I'm going right. to I'm going to do my due diligence because I need to make sure that smoke's not being blown up my seventh point of contact. Well, right? I think it's important to to question things. And the more yeah. I started doing ninjutsu, again, you talk about the reverence and respect for your teachers. You know, Hatsumi Sensei, the other uh, guy, Shihan, uh, up in, uh, in Japan um, when I trained back then years ago. But uh, it comes to the point where you, you have to examine, what do I really want to do? And is this really working for me? Is this look like a, a realistic attack? And like right. then, just, just to deal with a simple cross punch like a boxer throws as opposed to a lunging straight punch, which you see done all the time. In um, in classical ninjutsu, that's not realistic. Deal, you got to deal with round kicks. You got to deal with back kicks. You got to deal with jabs. That should be part of the training in, in modern ninjutsu, in my opinion, because it's right. easy to perform a LARP, L-A-R-P. Have you heard that? That's live action yeah. role playing. Yeah. And a lot of that I see in training and videos and stuff. That's what it is. You know, uh, your attacker's not resisting. They don't try to throw a follow-up attack. Uh, you do a joint lock on them. They don't resist. But it's a lot tougher to do an onikidaki on somebody if they're trying to muscle you or if they're stronger than you and you think it's going to go easy and all of a sudden they reverse you. So it's, right. it makes you have to work on your footwork, be sensitive to the, the how they're pressuring, the, how they're trying to uh, uh, recover from the take you put on. That's all part of the training. Well, I think the step-by-step is important, and I think those big models help with that, but you got to get past that as quickly as possible, right? Because people want to people want to learn the technique, but they also need to grow past learning the technique to recognize yes. when that technique's even viable, right? right. Is this even a good idea? Because you mentioned, right. you know, somebody having stronger arms, bigger arms, whatever. I mean – um, I, I mentioned to students all the time, there are certain people, certain builds, certain fighter types right. that I'm not even going to attempt this on. Well, you have right? to remember that in Japan in the 15th century, everybody it's a homogeneous culture. Everybody's 5'3 right. and 130 pounds soaking wet. Okay. And they've, they've all been trained from childhood that this is the Japanese way to do things. This is the correct way to do things. And everybody falls in line. Right? So – um, well, that's why yeah. uh, a lot of the soldiers uh, at the end of World War II, the, uh, the U.S. Army guys who were big GIs, they were defeating some of the Japanese masters in judo because they were like a foot taller and outweighed by 50, 80 pounds. Right. So right. you got to take into consideration. Yeah. That's not all one size fits all. So, well, that, uh, that plays into, you know, if, if you're always doing – you either get really, really good and better than everybody else doing the same thing or you got to do something different, Right. And that's, I mean, that was the shortcut of Chuck Norris's martial, or sport martial arts career, right? I mean, right. when he came on the scene, he was the only Korean stylist right. going up against Japanese karate guys. So he was winning. When did and he, he had the, Ch- the Chuck Norris blitz. 
That's what yeah. he was famous for, just charging yeah. in straight. And everybody's going on straight line then. So yeah. until- and when did he when did he lose? He lost against another Korean stylist, and he switched over to movies after that. So I mean that's the that's a summarized version, but you know nobody was prepared for that thing that he was doing. Right. And I think I think that leads to the fact that a lot of people who do ninjutsu, I'll, we'll talk about the art we do, um, right. they get so into this role-playing thing that there's they don't really get into uh, learning to counter techniques, learning to resist techniques. In fact, right. um, the stuff, all my pretty much all my second-degree curriculum, the second-degree black belt, is how to counter joint locks and throws and arm bars that you learned under black belt. Yeah, so see, I, have that, I have that second to third degree. But yeah, it's got to be there somewhere, wherever you it put it. It has to be in there. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. And, and when you way, start dealing with multiple attackers, when you start dealing with, um, I mean, I have, I have uh, things where uh, maybe you're carrying a weapon, um, you know, cause we, we do gun seminars and things like that too. Sure. But people will want to rely on the weapon too much. Oh yeah. And I'll say, okay, let's say you walk into a, into a situation, his gun's already out, yours isn't. You're going to have to operate like you don't have exactly one right. until you can get to yours or disarm him or whatever. Right? Well, it's not – you could apply some of the uh, – like in, um, in, in uh, ninjutsu on the scrolls, there's some kata like shonun shansoku, which are defenses against sword draws. You right. can modify those to deal with handgun draw or somebody reaching for a knife. You just got to yep. be creative and just modify and massage the, the, the stuff around a little bit so it will work. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. I, I but think it, that's it, important. You got to get past the form to look at the principles and concepts that the form is embodying. So, good and point. Then so, get past that. so you have to learn the form in order to break the form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you, and I think it's crucial that sometimes people they forget you got to keep training in basics. So you know, I'm still, uh, even though I teach a modern version, and even the the kamai, like uh, Segando kamai, I teach you a little more modern version where you don't, you're not showing like you're looking, you don't want to look like you're doing martial arts because somebody's Absolutely. got a cell phone and they see you going on some kind of fancy kamai or posture. Oh, he's in martial arts. So you got to disguise that too. So I try to modify the kamai and even some of the techniques so I can, they look, again, so many videos, you, you're not going to look like you're the aggressor. So that, that's important strategy as well. Absolutely. How do you hide this stuff? I mean, I, I still think that there's a purpose for hensu jutsu and all these other ancillary things, but uh-huh. we're not dressing up to invade some area, right? Exactly. How do, you make, how do you make what you're doing look like Taekwondo or something to get him to think that he knows what's going on only to run into something different or however you're going to play that, right? Uh, I right. think it's really important. Let's, let's do this. Let's take a quick Q&A thing. Um, sure. I don't know if James knows of anything else that's popping in, but – Let's do that before we go on um, much farther with this. So, um, James, any anything, questions, comments, other than the typical, hey, how you doing kind of thing? No, no questions, no comments, just the, hey, how you doing kind of stuff. Okay. No, we're both full of shit or one of us is or nothing like that either? Oh, okay. No. Well, look at you, Will. You're just impressing the crap out of people. Oh, well, it's either that or they don't care what I'm saying. <laughs> I hope it's a former. Um, so let, let me let me ask um, something else here. So um, you were already alluding to this, right? But what do you think is missing, other other than this other, you know, the the get you know uh, bad guy, paying attention to modern attackers, right? But what else do you think is missing from most students' training, and how should they go about fixing 
that thing. So you talked about making sure that the, uh, the training matches the way people are going to attack. But what else do you think is missing? Well, that, as I allude to a little bit, uh, making your, your defenses or your, your, your movements and defenses fit again so you don't look like you're a martial artist per se, uh, and also make it streamline it. Nothing's too fancy. Uh, you see some of these guys do techniques where it's like 15 things they're doing when they could have done it, finished the job in three or four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was watching a video um, the other day from, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, I'll, the, the King of Combat, that should ring a bell. The King of Combat. Remember him? Okay. Well, I've heard so, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, years. So I just watched an old video that he had, um, some videos he did uh, years ago on Panther. Uh, the Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching, I go, God, it was pretty impressive as far as athleticism and jumping around and, you know, hook kicks and jumping into head scissors and all that. And I was yeah. thinking, you know, it was 18 moves he did on this guy who just threw one punch, didn't try to do a counter. And again, it was a classic example of that LARP I talked about, yep. uh, live yep. action role playing. And it looked impressive um, athletically and, and it looks like martial ballet or something. But again, practicality, I don't know. I, you know well, I, I, remember, I remember one, t- uh, one video that I watched that he had done. And again, we won't name names, but um, he had uh, – it was supposed to be like all freeform kind of stuff. And I, uh-huh. I have my own beliefs about that based on what I saw. But anyway, he, he got, got this guy into a mushadori, and it was working. Like the back was arching, and the guy was going to go. And it was, it was right. a slick little move. He got him, right? And then he let go of the mushadori so he could do a spinning back kick. And I thought, what the hell? Yeah, right? Do that. So it, it's, some people just need to look creative. I often say that um, a lot of people shouldn't be training in ninjutsu because ninjutsu by its very nature is very much like the CIA. Like nobody should know you're doing it, right? Nobody should right. know anything about that. And it's not for people that need to be in the limelight going, I did that. That was me. Right. Um, but most from you used to always cover that stuff. I mean, it's, it's like, not, you know, yeah, it's not about it flash. Get the hell out of there, yes. you know, because if you're staying around for the cops, you're risking losing your baby's child or, you know, the, their uh, college fund or whatever. I mean, right. and, and this bullshit thing that people have that, you know, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. Yeah, right. Well, you don't understand no. trial science. <laughs> you don't understand. You, you don't understand what the hell you're saying. Well, first I would of all, rather not is, have either going on. Of course, because so, one thing, the first thing, Jeff, is that you, you have to realize that that comes to fruition. You're going to spend six figures in, in legal fees, mm. even if you're even if you're innocent. It's not your fault. Absolutely. So you really want to go to the that that group. Hey, we got a question came in. Um, okay. Now, um, Eric Wiest. He says, do you train street clothes with your students? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, we don't wear gi. That's one thing mm-hmm. I stopped doing. Um, that, again, splitting me away. Sort of like we did back in the early days. We never wore gi. Remember that? In the early 80s? I we do. wore street clothes. Yeah, BDUs. Yeah. So I went back to that. And we used uh, like a web belt. Um, like we like did back belt. in the day, right? Yeah, we had white, green, and black. That's yeah. it. So yeah. um, I know I just want to do it because you're not going to have a gi on. Uh, right. And an obi, and um, so again, I felt that's more modern. And sometimes a lot of people wear a coat or um, wear, you know, uh, I've had, had even had my female students wear 
uh, high heels and a dress because that might happen when they're being attacked. So you got yeah. that's a part of making it more modern. So I didn't yeah, want see, to mention that. We we do the uniform thing just so the clothes clothing is more resilient. But there's a couple of days out of every month that sure. are designated as street clothes days because people need that. They need to they need to work that way. Just like we'll have. Um, We'll have outdoor skills day, so all classes that day meet at a given park. So now you've got uneven terrain, and you've got obstacles and trees and whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're always playing with that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, know. I'm pretty much teaching my, um, my classes. Um, I've got four or five weeks. They're small. I do mostly private, semi-private lessons now. And I teach them pretty much outside. Uh, uh, one of my students has a nice backyard, uh, and we, we do not like the same thing. The terrain is important. Uh, mm-hmm. Working on a concrete sidewalk, that's a different feel. Working in an area where it's uh, grass or non level, working mm-hmm. on gravel, uh, you got to do that too. So it all ties into making it more realistic now, or now, modern. You know, can you move into Kumai, you know, because there's a curb or there's a step behind you that either goes up or down, right? Can you do that? And, and sink and lower with, with it so that you're not toppling and you're not um, – because, you know, the, all that stuff's around, right? Um, I often talk to my students about um, uh, what if you have to defend yourself between two parked cars. But where are you? Are you, you know, are you flanked by doors? Are you at that plus sign kind of thing near the, the front corner of the fenders? Right. Whatever. I mean, all those things present very specific kind of, um, kind of problems, right? Because the, That's environment, why... the environment's huge. That's why I wrote the the four books I did the training manuals back in in 2000 because all the all the uh, four books one was on uh, dealing modern jiu-jitsu, secrets of modern jiu-jitsu versus weapons versus grabbing attacks punching attacks kicking attacks four volumes everything was in street clubs everything was outside I did a couple uh, stuff in the in indoors like in an office where somebody comes in tries to rob you with a gun or knife but I wanted sure. to make everything was in street clothes I wanted to make it realistic and uh, in, in different types of environment between parked cars, like you said, yeah. and I've got um, techniques where that demonstrates that. So anything you do like that and what you're doing, I, I uh, salute you for. That's what people need to have in, in their training if they want to do realistic self-defense. Okay. So I think the history and culture and the tradition and jitsu is important. Don't get me wrong. And I, uh, um, I still have great respect for the, the Bujikan and uh, my former teachers that I learned from, including Stephen Hayes, as I mentioned, and the other Japanese Shihan back then. But I think um, for me, uh, I wanted to do this modern approach, but I still keep the, uh, keep the philosophy in. And I, uh, I really talked to him about this idea of, of being a peaceful person. Now, I've got a – it happens I have a banner that says – Quote, if you want more peace in the world, start by making your own life more peaceful. There you go. Yeah, I, I don't know if you know that I, I, um, I didn't take full ordination, but I, I followed the Mikio path as well. I'm, actually I'm aware of that. Yes, I trained am. trained with uh, uh, Reverend Jikai, Stephen Hayes' teacher. And so um, there's this little, there's a saying in Tendai, um, light up your own little corner of the world. Because if we all did that, the world would be a pretty freaking bright place. There you, know, you go. I, I think yeah, that's Don't worry true. about what anybody else is doing until you clean up your own freaking backyard kind of thing. Well, uh, so, again, what we were just talking on, there should be, in my opinion, if you're going to teach a martial art, you've got to have some kind of philosophy or, or uh, more of a 
Well, it's a morals and ethics thing, right? Morals and ethics thing, yeah. At what point will you act? At what point do you leave things alone, right? I mean – well, we I both mean, know uh, we both know ninjutsu people, but people in other martial arts who are just bullies, and absolutely. Uh, they 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 hurt their students all the time. They have this attitude. They're uh, you know they they just uh, don't represent uh, some of the things I think we should be teaching in the martial arts in general, and, and specifically in ninjutsu. Whether it's yeah. the classical version, which uh, is important, but also you can teach ethics and stuff in the in the uh, mod- a modern version, like how to, how to talk your way out of a fight. There's Absolutely. a skill that everybody needs to learn. Absolutely. That's really De-escalation, you bet. You, you bet. got it. So I teach him. A, I have certain things um, written down that here's how you can avoid uh, entering into a fight. How do you um, discern this person's body language? Oh, and what do you say when he says this? What not to say? How do you hold your – if you look sheepish and weak, well, guess what? You're an easy target. So how you hold yourself, your comportment is very is very important. Well, I, I think that it's important, too, that I mean, if, it, it's easier to use this stuff in the moment when you need it and not have to try to remember things if you just make it a part of, of how you operate all the time. Um, for instance, I, I, saw a, I saw a like one of these little YouTube short kind of clips. Somebody was being interviewed about dealing with a narcissist, right? And uh-huh. I, I think martial artists spend – a an inordinate amount of time, and it's important, right, about dealing with physical attacks. But we don't live, unless you live in a, in a drive-by shooting area or whatever, most of us don't live in places like that anymore. I, for one, moved, right? Yeah, so I sure. have my family in a safer place. Um, but they still put all that effort and energy into that, but they can't handle the, the stress of everyday life. They, they yeah. are constantly getting into arguments with people or whatever, Yes. Right? And right. so, you know, you know, somebody, somebody brought this thing up about, you know, do you, do you ever call an, call out a narcissist? And I'm like, uh, no, right? Because you're just going to get a bunch of rage coming at you. They're going to flip it and try to make it you, you know. So how do you handle just everyday things that it's an attack? This person is trying to set you up, but they're not setting you up to punch you or stab you or whatever. They're setting you up in a different way, right? So, you know, you call somebody and they go, Wow, I haven't heard from you in years, right? They're trying to set things up yeah. so that you know they can make it. Attacks about you, come in, right? Attacks come and, in mental, mental attacks, verbal yeah. attacks, and you have got to recognize those too. And what most people would do when they hear that is they go, "Well, you know, the phone works in both ways, or in both directions." Except you just you just played their game, right? But you know, if somebody says to me, um, "Well, I haven't heard from you in a long time," I say, "You're right." You haven't. What, what are they going to do with that, right? They have to. They have to reinitiate, right? They have to. Right. You know. So um, I, I think that people miss that need to. You know, attacks are not just physical, right? What well, about that good, good point. That's a great heart? point. Yeah. That's a great point because again, you can set up scenarios in the training or exercises where you you talk about that or role play that kind of stuff Absolutely. someone's trying to intimidate you uh, physically or verbally it may not be a, uh, a, f- a threat of a physical attack but it may be some kind of condescending or cutting remark or something that they're trying to put you down to make themselves bigger of course we know that uh that right. many people uh, they that's their modus operandi very insecure people uh they try to put you down make themselves bigger we see that you know, in sports and politics, we see it all through the spectrum. So if you yeah. can recognize that and then keep your calm and keep your cool and keep centered. And just well, like and you would. 
the psychological operation, you know, in the military, we used to call it psyops, right? Psychological operations where they're looking to be, they're looking to be perceived as the defender, right? So Hatsumi Sensei has taught on this for, for decades, right? Where it's, there are no laws to stop somebody from being, um, you know, from offending you, from calling you all that kind of stuff. But if you punch him in the throat, you're the one going to jail kind of thing, right? right? So what about the guy that initiates a conversation or an argument pushing you to get to the point where you say something right. that's overtly that he could say is offensive and then he right. can claim that you started the fight, right? right? He jumped you because you right. insulted him, you whatever. Right. So those are other setups, not just the, 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 you know, the, the, the jabber moving in or the, right. the shoot fighter or whatever. What right. about the guy that's initiating? Um, Stephen Hayes was really good at, at setting up drills like that, right? Where sure. we, we have like one of us in the middle and then everybody out around, right? There's yeah. a game knife or something, right? Sure. So the whole idea was to overwhelm you mentally, right? And then everybody would just start talking smack or reaching out and touching you and all kinds of stuff. And you had to be present enough that when the knife came, you could at least sidestep it or let it only glance. I mean, you weren't like having your spleen opened up or whatever, right? But those were huge learning things for me because that pointed to stuff that I, I could understand, right? Not everything is just a full-on physical attack. Well, I think it also physical, but you bought into the yes. well, this is just an argument. This is just a this is just two guys talking smack. This is just maybe not. Right. Maybe this is a full on setup. And this guy that's talking smack in your face is the distraction. So his friend can come over and slit your throat or, you know, whatever. And then you can play the psychology both ways, because I often teach, too, that if it looks you're in a situation and somebody's um, let's say you're in a crowded bar or someplace. Right. Of course. I have never hung out in those places in many years. <laughs> Too old for that. I did when I was a cop. We did. I'm sure <laughs> you did. I had to go in and do what I need to do and get the hell out, right? So, so let's say you're in a crowded place, people around, and uh, I had this happen to me once. It was literally in a bar. It was a Friday night, and um, uh, it was crowded, and I walked in. I actually bumped at this guy. And I He tilted his pinball machine, and he got really pissed off in my face. He had a guy three-piece suit on. He must have been a lawyer. <laughs> he goes, you know, he starts to go, da, 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 da. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I was my fault. I was just clumsy. Oh, da, da. And so I said, let me give you some money here. I got it. I gave my wallet. And I gave him like uh, five bucks or whatever it was. And as yeah. soon as he looked down at the, at the money, I turned and I, I, lo- I lost him in the crowd. He looked around. And he couldn't find him. I disappeared. Just moved yeah. in the crowd. So instead yeah. of getting in his face, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? Let's take it outside, which is easy to do if you if you – you get your ego involved, and so you got to prove something. That's yeah. that's a, a recipe yeah, for a disaster. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, turn it around again. You can do this as well. Another thing, if somebody is threatening you, or is starting to make make uh, motions or gestures to that, and there's other people around, you could say real loudly, "Are you, you just uh, threatening to kill me?" Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, people heard that. They look now. 
you've established this guy did something. Now, whether yeah. he didn't say oh, it or not. Oh, I draw least, on him, which is what he didn't want. That's right. exactly right. So yeah, there's that, that psychology and strategy, I think that's something that is missing in other martial arts. And I think it needs to be more, even more so done in, in, in jiu-jitsu today, which is stuff we did earlier on. So, Absolutely. You know, any kind yeah. of creativity like that's crucial. Yeah. So um, one more, and I know we've talked about a butt ton of stuff, right? But from your perspective or your opinion, what do you think that we or that Ninjutsu offers that's missing from a lot of martial arts? I know you were just talking about the psychological stuff. Right. But if you could name one more thing that you think that the art of Ninjutsu offers that most oh. systems don't. Because when it comes down to fighting and all that, everybody has their way of doing it, right? Uh-huh. But what is it that you think that we offer or that needed to offer? Well, right? I think, you know, you've got all these other martial arts. I mean, there's a lot of good martial arts in Japan, believe me. Yeah, of uh, course. There's uh, good martial arts and there's uh, bad bad instructors. And because good instructors, you find both. There you, go. you bet. Um, but I think, with, with, to me, going back to my original statement about ninjutsu, why I liked it originally is that it really is a, com- a complete martial art in a lot of ways, especially what I like to, as I say, try to move it forward in the 21st century, because you've got, you're dealing with multiple attackers. I teach that a lot. I've got written mm-hmm. curriculum all the way up to ninth degree black belt. I mean, written yeah. out, which right. I think is important. And most of the stuff, the high level, is all dealing with you know, multiple attackers, uh, stuff that's very high level skill. Uh, it's yeah. not just learn another bokata for ninth don or something. Right, right, you know? absolutely. So what? I mean, you got to make it more challenging as far as things like that. And also take into account that, you know, I've got students. i got um, one of my students now uh, going to Godon uh, on his 80th birthday next year. And you remember awesome. Bing. Remember yeah, Bing I do was remember Bing. 89 years old. He Missed him a trained. lot. Bing yeah. was a good guy. Yeah. So I think ninjutsu is adaptable to different people, different sizes, if you make it so. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of martial arts, they don't have that. And it's a complete art. You've got grappling, you've got weapons, you've got uh, sp- um, fighting with uh, punches and kicks, joint locks, right. wrist locks, ever. So that's a good, the good part about ninjutsu. Yeah, I, I, I would answer the same way. My, my, my answer when people ask is like, I would never say that we're better, like as a combat art, than anybody else, because um, now you're splitting hairs. What right. I would say is that we offer a student more options in resolving something or in handling different types of situations. Um, mm-hmm. so, so for me, it's the options, right? Like you said, grappling and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. But also the psychological stuff, right? Can you can you not even let it go physical, or can you do yes. something verbal to yes. get his brain to lock up that gives you that half second? to get the jump, you know what I mean, to, or to get out or whatever, Yeah. right? Can you, are you playing with more than just my style versus the – remember back in the day, um, Black Belt Magazine, all these, all these things. Yeah. There would always be these articles, right? If a karate guy met a judo right, guy, right. which one would win? Well, now you're That's, down to practitioner, but, you know, tactics, strategies, all that kind of stuff. That's it's a silly not, question. It's not the right? techniques, right? No. Yeah, but people want to play – I mean, and I get it. Ego – we want to know that we're doing the best things and we're giving ourselves the best, the best advantage. And I think that if people actually spoke that out loud mm-hmm. and use that as their litmus test instead of joining something, because a lot of people join martial arts either because their sisters, brothers, cousins, college roommates, best friend said that that was the best one, right? Or okay. it was the one closest to work or home on the drive. And then right. they join, 
And then Ego goes, well, this is the best. Well, how do you know? What's your baseline? What other ones have you looked into to even – and what problem are you trying to solve? Well, right? that's, that's good because, like I say, both of us, you too, I mean – I had done, uh, you know, Taekwondo for 11, 12 years. I have keto. I had experienced other things. Yep, so I knew absolutely. what I was looking for. I wanted something where I could deal with grabbing and throwing and, and you know. And that just gets stuck on a style. Right. And then so I was taking pieces of all these other arts, uh, which I called initially United Martial Arts. I was the name of my dojo initially uh, yeah. before I started right. doing, doing uh, um, ninjutsu at Hayes. And then when I found that again, I said, "Oh, this has all this in it," and it had the the philosophy, and it had the mental aspects. So that's, I think, a really important thing that um, is missing other martial arts: uh, the ability to adapt. To, you look at the guys on the ground. There's a lot of guys that are awesome on the ground, grappling, and they're fant- fantastic. I taught a seminar um, at, at a place um, years ago, and uh, this was a uh, combat. No, they were they were uh, kick. Um, uh, MMA cage fighters. That's what I want okay. to say. Okay. Cage sure. fighters, right? They were really good. They had cages in their in their school. They would fight it. Mm-hmm. So I went there with some of my students to teach them. They wanted me to come in, and they wanted to do weapons defenses, guns and knives, because they never learned that. They were Absolutely. great on the ground, but they didn't really know the, much about stand up self defense. Right. And right. so it was because uh, a lot of people, oh, I'm just going to get them, throw them on the ground. I'm going to break their arm in a uh, you know yeah. arm lock, or I'm going to choke them out. Like, well, you and I know that you don't want to go to the ground if you don't have to in the street fight. That's right. Because That's right. then the guy's other buddies come out of the base, uh, the, uh, the, the head, baseball bats. Yep, you bet. Yeah, so it's been, in our, our re- most recent fall camp, um, one of my students actually took some time off, went and did some you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all that kind uh-huh. of stuff. And we had him do a breakout session so people could get an understanding of, look, you know, if he catches you this way, you're screwed kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, at the end of his presentation, he made the point that, look, we don't chase you down. We're not good on our feet, that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a, this is a, this is what these people are good at. And so, and then he you know, also made the point that, you know, the people are lucky that they have the teacher that they do, or they need to find a teacher that can mm-hmm. cover these other options and stuff. So, you, you know, one of the first things that I ever learned in this art was, you don't you don't punch somebody who's really really good. You don't get into a fist fight with somebody that's really good with their fist, right? Right. Same thing with feet. You don't go kicking a kicker. What's up, Bruce Lee said that was, that was Bruce Lee's grapple thing. Grappler, right? You do. Right. <laughs> you you keep him out of his out of his realm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like Pete Rose wearing a football helmet to a baseball game kind well, of. Well, that thing. was whole, like I said, it was all Bruce Lee's philosophy. That's yeah. why he. With the GQ Do and did the, everything with the grappling and the stuff too, you got to be able to do that. Yeah, um, So I think that's that's very important. But you, you got to be able, so. Uh, the point about the grappling is, it's good. You need to learn some stuff on the ground. So I'm also have a problem with with uh, traditional uh, people who say that I'm teaching self defense. They never do anything on the ground. So right. that's as bad as not as doing all everything on the ground as opposed to doing nothing on the ground. So right. if you're going to do self defense for self for the street. Uh, worthiness of it you've got to incorporate learn some ground stuff but you can't just go want to go to the ground right away Um, so it's again choosing what's going to work in that situation but having a repertoire of tools that you can pull pull out of your toolbox at the correct moment for the the task at hand at that moment yes sir it's problem solving 101 right so 
um, if you don't know what the problem is, how do you go about solving it? Well, it's I use a, like, a, I use a model. That, that one thing that um, if if all you have is a hammer, then everything's yep. a nail, right? If you <laughs> practice one style um, that doesn't have all these options, it's not a broad-based thing, then you're going to try to fix every problem. You're going to try to defend against every scenario based on that thing that you're good at. Yeah. And it's it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, you could luck out in five fights, but number six comes at you in in a way that you never expected, right? So um, anyway, so um, uh, let, let's see if there are any more questions um, while we're looking for those. Um, what I really like um, for you to do is uh, let people know uh, if you're open to other people like contact you and stuff, how sure. can they reach out to you for more information or to yeah, hook I'll up give with you, you or whatever? I'll um... I've got a website. It's it's a small website. I don't use it that much, but you can get some general information off the website. And uh, it's uh, simple. It's uh, www.modernninjas, N-I-N-J-A-S dot com. Now, I know there's no S in Japanese, but it's okay. It's it's easy to remember. And uh, so Modern Ninjas with the S plural, uh, right. as a guy gene do. And yeah. .com, ModernNinjas.com. Now, um, if uh, people want to contact me by email, it's my name, Will Mayer. It's M-A-I-E-R, Will Mayer Seminars at Gmail. Okay, that's go. another way to contact me. And that's um, and uh, by phone too. I'm okay with that. Uh, number six zero two seven nine nine five two four three. Um, I'm, I like talking to cool. people, sharing ideas with them, or answer questions I have. If they want to, you know, ask me anything more about modern jitsu or find out more about classes, seminars, the books I have, the videos I, I yeah, have. Yeah, are, are your books on your website? Uh, there's a listing of them on there, but uh, they need to contact me, and I'll talk to them about the different books and the different uh, okay. DVDs cool. I have too. Yeah, but again, cool. I just wanted to share, and I really appreciate you having me come on tonight. I'm sorry we couldn't get the video working, but we got the ah, audio. Right, right. But uh, again, I really appreciate what you're doing because you're, you're uh, bringing people into uh, the fold of, of taking uh, um, charge of their own training and asking questions. And you're yeah. dealing with different topics I think that are important for students to deal with. Just aside from being in a, do a dojo smacking each other around, uh, yeah. Dealing with strategies, dealing with philosophy, dealing with the stuff you deal with. So I salute you. That's great. I'm really well, glad this, to do this. This format actually reminds me of like um, when training in Japan, going to like Sumeya-san's uh, dojo, right? Uh -huh. After a class, like all the all the junior students are ushered out, and then the seniors, uh, there's a there's a we would call it a coffee table, but there's this low Japanese table brought out. Right. And then whoever the Kohai among the seniors is, right, um, they've already been cooking water and whatnot. And then we all sit around having water or hot tea or something like that. And now we're either listening to something that Samaya Sensei thought was important and he's sharing, or we just have this little chit chat that almost always leads to like extra lessons. And that was, that was the idea here with Kuden, just, you right. know, having that kind of thing, but we don't all have to be in the same physical location, right? Um, so questions or topics or whatever that you just don't have that kind of time in class to go into all that deeply, right? Mm -hmm. So this allows me to put things out, and then in class, I can just reference something, 
Right. right? And then if you didn't see it, hey, check out this, you know, episode. Uh, I go into it much more deeply, that kind of thing. So it's out there, right? Um, and that's that's my thing. So, um, James, are, any questions or comments from anybody? Because we're about to wrap this up. Got a couple of people that said they enjoyed the conversation so far. Um, oh. So that there, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate the fact that that um, you know you were you were open to doing this kind of thing. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we connected over all these years. You know, people move, and sometimes it's hard to stay in touch with people across the country. I'm here in Arizona. Um, so, um, but I'm glad. Well, that, remember, when know, our, remember when all the seminars were going on, and you know the yearly festivals and stuff. Sure. Um, I really missed when all that stuff kind of went away. I mean, it changed a lot, right? Because that was at least one or more times a year that all all my you right, all my martial right. friends that I was really close with, we could all get together in one space and. The cool thing about the friendships that I've developed, the ones that, you know, are, I would call them spiritual friendships, is that we could not see each other for how long, right? And then you and I hopped on the phone a couple of weeks ago, right. and getting getting some life things out of the way very quickly, I don't know about you, but I felt like, you know, we'd just seen each other last week or last month. Isn't that amazing how that happens with people that Absolutely. can connect? They connect on a level where, you, like I said, I had this other friends too, where I don't see him for decades, and it's like, oh, you know, it's like uh, I saw him last week. But that's a special kind of a, and we, you and I, have a bond with doing this art so long, and you know, sharing the same. I used to come to my dojo and take seminars there uh, when yeah. you came down to Maryland, and we got to train together in festivals and things like that. So <laughs> we have a, we have a history together, and it was great to reconnect and to say, hey, I know this is where you're at now. This is where I am, and to uh, trade things back and forth, ideas, and that's what this should be. It should be an exchange of ideas to make everybody better. That's what synergy yeah. is. People and isn't it funny together. that we took two, two completely different paths and we're teaching things almost exactly the same? Well, that happens in life, doesn't it? Yeah, well. That's a good yeah. thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. I, quick story here while we're, I'm waiting for other questions or whatever is um, – uh, a bunch of years ago, I was on an article writing kick. There was this uh, site called easyandarticles.com, and I was just – I was writing on how this stuff fits in the crime prevention realm, how it fits in women's issues, right? all kinds of things, right? I think I have, like, over 600 articles that I wrote in probably the course of wow. two years. Okay. Um, but I was also very competitive because, you know, there were these people that had written and they were above, and I just decided at one point I was going to sit at the top of that number of whatever so wrote all these things but i had done one on like knife defense just some principles for you know knife defense right i don't care what art you're doing pay attention to these key points right well i'm, I'm not watching what everybody else does i don't care what everybody else is doing right i'm here to serve my students so when i get this email from this guy it's just all hot and heavy and he won't say it, but he's alluding to the fact that he thinks that I stole his idea, right? Because coincidentally, in the previous week or two, he had written the same kind of article. Not the same article, but the same kind of things. And we mentioned the same things. And I said, one, I don't even know who you are. And then he referenced that he was on the same platform. And I went and looked it up and went, oh, you're one of the guys I was trying to leapfrog over, right? 
Um, but he he was what he said was I'm up like I'm up late at night trying to think about what I'm going to write on. I don't need people to anyway. So he was alluding to this. Right. And what I said was, if we both know what we're talking about, of course, it's going to sound similar. Right. I don't have to steer your stuff. Right. Right. But if we both know what we're talking about, because you look at the articles, nothing is the same except a couple of the points. Right. But the, the, the syntax, it doesn't even look like it was rewritten or anything like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we both know what we're talking about, of course, it's going to sound similar. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Sure. Right. So anyway, and then I never heard from him again. Right. It wasn't like we connected like or anything like that. Like, you know, hey, let's share some other let's actually try to share some ideas kind of thing. Right. Um, but anyway, that was just one of those things that just kind of popped out. Like I was accused of not even plagiarizing, just like stealing his idea. Well, well that comes yeah. that comes with techniques, too. I mean, um, I have uh, uh, several people that that I know um a couple of my students and people I'm still associated with, and they have skills that I don't have. Like one of my black belts is an extremely good grappler. So I had him teach a, se- a session on grappling at the Taikai I taught here in Arizona in May. Another sure. guy is a, a former, uh, again like you, a cop and a former military um, right. cop. Uh, so he taught a session. Another guy who's a former bouncer has had knives p- p- pulled on him. Yeah, yeah. So if you take people from that experience and they teach a little of that, what they know, their expertise, because I don't know everything. I don't have experiences that other people have, like you as a cop or uh, yeah. doing all the grappling. But, again, I can bring in people in my organization or affiliate with me to do that. And, again, then yeah. I have an area, different areas that I have uh, expertise or knowledge in. So that's what you said, sharing ideas, whether it's ideas about how to run a uh, program or about techniques or about philosophy or about uh, talking about making us better people. you got to bring people together, and that's what you're doing with this podcast. Absolutely. Well, I try. I try. So, anyway, uh, James, any questions, comments from anybody? we got a few more people who said they enjoyed it. You know, two or three people I see here said they enjoyed it and liked it and oh. shared it on Facebook. Awesome. I don't want James to feel like he like doesn't have a job tonight. <laughs> James actually runs my online uh, side of things, so the programs and all that. So he's uh, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm I've been thinking about doing a some of a podcast myself, so I have to uh, awesome. talk to you about it sometime. But yeah, I think yeah. you're doing good stuff, and you've got a, a, a variety of tap, topics. Now, do you have a library of these? I believe, correct or yeah, they're all all of them. All of them. Um, once once it's done, the, the this this simulcast to my Facebook page and okay. YouTube and all that. But I decided to do it in video format because it was I could I could leverage it right. So sure. it's on. Uh, if you go to my YouTube uh, channel, um, Kage Thirty Six or what is it, James Jeffrey Miller, something like that, right? Um, if you yeah. click on the live button, all of they're, they're all there. Right. Um, but what happens afterwards is this gets installed on my one website. Uh, okay. we, use a, we use a podcast. Um, uh, it, it's a plug-in for, for WordPress. And then we're tied in with mm-hmm. Spotify and uh, Google Play and, and uh, what is it, Apple Podcasts or it used to be iTunes or something. All these right. things. I mean, like hundreds of podcast directories. 
it gets uploaded to there. And then what ends up happening is because this is all connected to those things, um, those directories all end up okay. logging. It. So we have a presence on hundreds of podcast directories. So of course they're audio only, but right. um, yeah, it's a great way to leverage things. So I have no idea how many total followers I have. If I, if I only went with what I see like signing on live, um, I'd have probably like stopped this a long time ago, but the number of views on YouTube and the number of, you know, people that we have doing things. Well, you're certainly ways. being progressive, and I think that's important. We just can't um, take this art that's been around for 900 years or so and, and keep it as a museum piece. It's always changed with the times. It's got to change with the times. Absolutely. Technology changes. The types of attacks we see, we change. The world's different today than it was 500 years ago in some respects, and for lots of reasons. So Could I you imagine that, students sitting down and hand copying the scrolls or whatever, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. I've, I've told people in the past, even even through like when I'm teaching Mikio stuff, because the traditional way is, and my right. teacher did this with me, right? He would sit down with his stuff. And yep. he would say the stuff out loud, and I wrote it down yep. the way I was going to remember to, to pronounce it back. But I mean, we did chapter after chapter after chapter. But he'd lean in and go, I really do believe that back in the day, if they'd have had a Xerox machine, yeah. they'd have copies that way, right? Well, when I was, when I was doing Reiki, um, and I had to do the same thing. I had to write stuff down. I had, uh, uh, I had to take personal responsibility to write down the – material not have it spoon fed to me sure uh, but i think but writing is the active part of thinking so yes it is you know, it actually helps yeah but i, I think prefer, people i still prefer taking notes in a notebook over trying the technology because half your brain is making sure the technology is working and i don't think it gets in nearly the same as if well, I, I, think there's, notes. I think there's there's merit to scribbling notes i, I have notes from God, early oh. uh, mid '80s. That some I can't discern anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, so you know, I I go through. I I try to update my curriculum at least a couple times a year. I did uh, some studying some Kali with uh, and um, our niece uh, with Dano Santo years and years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. He came to my dojo. Yeah, Guys, Gaines, uh, Dan, Dan Santo. Yeah, absolutely. he's an amazing, amazing martial artist, but. Uh, he would t- tell me that he would up- change his uh, curriculum you know, several times a year because he, he would say, I only can teach you what I know today. That was one of his things. And so you got to be w- willing to realize that, hey, i got to keep moving this forward and tweak it every once in a while and look at it and say, well, is this what I want to teach this year? I taught this a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe I'm different now. Maybe I feel that I've learned more from seeing things, observing things, watching things. Uh, seeing yeah. stuff on YouTube. I watch a lot of uh, – it's funny. I watch a lot of actual altercations. You can see those on the YouTube all Those the are videos I prefer over watching. Because oh, you'll see a real fight, what the guy does, things. and you yep. get, uh, yeah. oh, this guy did this. He looked away. I mean, you can get a real, a real knowledge of what real street fights look like by just doing that on, on YouTube. So I think yeah. that's important. That's part of training as well. Yeah, James and I were talking about, um, you know, doing, uh, updating the, the programs that I had that, you know, some of them are a decade, two decades old, um, because I look at things differently now. I, I know more. I, you know, whatever, right? Uh-huh. So there's so much more that could be not so much added, but tweaked or whatever, or leave that, that program as kind of an entry level. And then, you know, here's version 2.0, 3.0, whatever, um, to use modern 
tech stuff. But yeah, anyway, you've got to have that. Yeah, cool. So were there any questions other than like, you know, Will is great. Will is good. Will oh. trains with Steel and Will. Well, just, just, <laughs> I just hope people got an idea of, of that um, in their training as a student, uh, no matter who they're studying with, you take responsible to ask questions. Uh, get good on your basics. Uh, you know, encourage your your instructor to explain things to you that you don't understand, but do some research on your own. You know, what's kind of attacks are prevalent in today's society? And um, again, if if you don't understand why something doesn't work right, or you know, ask. Sometimes students are afraid to ask questions. I encourage that. I tell you, the, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. So, oh yeah. come on, there's some dumb questions. Well, <laughs> but it's okay. I, I, rather I don't have, want to stop people from asking questions right, because right. they're afraid I'm going to think it's a dumb well, question. You know, in some schools, you know this. I mean, I have a one of my students also trains in a karate school, and he tells her, oh, I, I asked a question of the teacher. And he's, oh, I don't ask questions. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah you know, so, uh, oh, just do it this way. That, I've known a couple of guys that uh, um, maybe this was more prevalent back in the day, but uh, a new student joins, and next thing you know, you're doing sparring, and the teacher's wiping the floor with this guy because yeah. he's trying to make a point, and the point isn't to teach you something other than I'm in charge kind of thing. And that, that's true in uh, in a lot of martial arts. Uh, yeah. and well, it's true in a lot of areas in life, too, right? It you is. don't question. You don't whatever. Um, and if I yell louder than you, then I've won the argument. Oh, um, yeah. When, no, you, when, you, no. when you lack facts, always yell. Yeah, that's right. Right. Don't confuse. Don't confuse my uh, silence with acceptance. Right. So um, anyway, James, anything? I'm getting nice. one. No. All right. Well, Will, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it, my friend. Um, of course, we'll stay in touch because, you know, we're still on this side of the grass. So, yes, cool. yes, we are. I'm working on 74 next year. So the time yeah, is gone. When I feel like I'm on a good day, I feel like I'm in my 30s still, maybe 50s, you know, Yeah, but somewhere in that range. <laughs> we're, we're still more active than uh, I love it when we talk to somebody who's like in their late 20s or mid 30s or whatever about martial arts. And they go, ah, maybe if I was much younger and I'd say I'm pushing 60 in a couple of um, weeks when you're ready to, to get your uh, your rocking chair. Let me know. I'll carry it for you so you don't strain yourself. And as you right. bring that point up, you know, um, I know my training has changed now at 73 than it was when I was 23, 33, 43. And I've had, we've all had injuries, um, and different things. And you've got to adapt to your body's changing, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so that's important that you stay cognizant of that. And then, therefore, when you have older students or students, I mean, I had, uh, I had four black belts in wheelchairs. There were wheelchair black belts. You had a black belt. You, yeah, Eric. Blind. You had a black belt that was blind. Was blind. Yeah, he was Absolutely. quite good. He was Absolutely. quite good. Bing was, was 80, Bing was 88 years old, and yep. I had two two deaf black belts. So, but how did how did that happen? Well, I was able to take the curriculum and say, look, uh, I'm going to fit the curriculum to you, and not make you force you to fit to the curriculum. Right. So the guy in the wheelchair, one of the guys, I would actually got another wheelchair. I sat next to him, and I That's how I taught people. Yeah, get in the wheelchair and do it with him. Absolutely. You got to do it with him. So. Yep. So you have to be I able to guy that had, uh, Do you know what spina bifida is? Yes, I do. One of my blind. Yeah, I had a guy that was, had spina bifida. Yep. So his ankles were were trapped together, and then he had those those crutches, right? Uh -huh. um, I taught him for a good year, and 
most of his stuff ended up being more more Hanbo or or you know stick stuff because sure. they were permanently attached to him, right? I mean, this is what right. he got, right? So, uh, and I think that's a sign of a good teacher too. If you can adapt things to the student, so the student can progress. I've seen way too many of these demos where like paraplegics or whatever are doing things, but they're doing the same kata. Yes. And they're allowed to believe that like yes. this is, and everybody's cheering them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Awesome yeah. But if this guy's attacked, that's not going to work. Cause just because he can do it on a mat during a demonstration right. means nothing. Right. So how can he really, I don't care if he's missing four limbs and all he can do is tuck his head and roll into their legs like a freaking bowling ball. How can he do it? Right. That's that's just a huge thing. That's a whole other topic when, you know, we're talking about being a good teacher. So, well, it's about adapting. Part of ninjutsu is about adapting. Uh, and because of all the options, you can pull like I, I've, you know, I, I do corporate workplace violence stuff. I'm not going in and teaching these guys Sagan and stuff like that. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I, what, what are we working on? Are we working on de-escalation? Are we, what are we working on to train your people? Great. I can reach into this and pull out very specific things, create a program, and here you go. Right. right. And and it's going to be it's going to be what they what they need, what they need. Right. Not what I want to teach. So right. many people have tiny little freaking training groups because they're trying to find people so that they can teach themselves. Right. I mean, it's not about what other people need. It's, you know, they just want to practice. practice I mean. Yeah, and there's people online that are this way too, right? This is this is the way I did it, so this is the way you have to do it. This is the way I learned it, so you have to learn it this way, right? Hatsumi since they admitted over the years, right? He, he he used to say, "I'm a terrible teacher. Find people that can communicate better," right? So he played more of the show and tell thing, and then would do long philosophical kind of discussions. But you know, everybody that that wants to walk around mimicking. Right, like Soke, they would even right. do broken Japanese right. crap like that. I mean, come well, on, you know. I, I think that that um, some people don't see through that, or they, or they either don't see through it, or they want to be part of that, where they're just following mm-hmm. around and being, oh, look at me, I'm I'm doing this little thing, and but they're not really doing real martial arts. They're, they're doing some, the fantasy idea of what a they want to be. Called. They want to play the master disciple game, like. They're living in 13th century China, and they're in some monastery somewhere. Yeah, so, and I think yeah. uh, the biggest thing is, again, just just having a good heart. I think that boils down to that, being I a agree. good person. And um, I used to have a bumper sticker from one of our friends. Uh, Richard Sears had a made up. Richard he was Sears, in yes. Indiana. Yeah, I know him. So he had he had a bumper sticker that had the kanji, the nin kanji, and it said the art with heart. Of course, yes. nobody got it except us, yes. right? But, you know, that part of the kanji, right? So, anyway, right. I, I don't need to keep belaboring this. They're going to kick us off here soon. So, okay. uh, Will, thank it's you pretty. very much. Hey, I hope um, so. everybody I, had some fun. We had some interesting things we talked about. And uh, if anyone wants to contact me via the information, I'm happy with that. And uh, cool. here to answer. And stay in touch. That. Of course. Of course. All right, dude. i gotta, I got to sign you off here. Sorry about that. No problem. Take care. Bye-bye. You bet. All right. Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I hope everybody weren't just, like, you know, placating us, right? I I trust that that wasn't happening. 
But uh, anyway, James, you and I have a little discussion here uh, after this is done. But we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, and I will talk to everybody again next week on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.